This morning's reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 11. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Why am I in a robe on Sundays? You ever thought about that? Why does he put on that funny costume from the 1500s? Now, for some, they're wearing this robe out of pure tradition. It meets the expectations of certain people's ideas of what church ought to be. For some, it's just to please one person in the church who might leave if he took the robe off. I have a friend of mine nearby who, in fact, lost a member of the church because he doesn't want to wear the robe. Strange way to think. What about the choir? Why get dressed up in that? It's hot, as one choir member told me one time. It's hot. I don't want to wear it. Well, I wear this thing For theological reasons. For some practical reasons, I was a photographer in the Marine Corps and I liked the idea of engaging all the senses. More importantly, I'm wrapped up in this thing which represents the office of pastor. And my great aim is that in wearing this, rather than you looking at maybe my, you know, $99 suit off the rack at pennies, or what if I were someone wearing a I don't even know how much a really good suit costs. $1,000? Maybe? A really good one? Rather than looking at that and judging me by the appearance, I would rather you recognize, oh, this is someone who is in the office of pastor who ought to be proclaiming the Word of God. It isn't about him. Same thing with the choir. You can tell by the dedication of a choir like this who spent so much time practicing, rehearsing, choosing music. It's like you're stepping into the attire as you join with choirs of angels. And I know someone who's self-deprecating says, well, if I'm in the choir of angels, maybe I'm way in the back, but this, this is a good choir. You're welcome. Luke 2.11 and the passages around it are talking about the angel of God appearing before a bunch of shepherds. Even clothed in, wrapped up in the Shekinah glory of God. That is the, the, the visible sort of cloud of glory, the light of God. Now this message isn't terribly long. 
And I'm only going to be making really one point. Our Savior came to shepherds, and He came to shepherd us. Now, the idea of, of God sending an angel to the shepherds to announce the birth of Messiah probably doesn't seem all that outrageous to us, because we've been trained, we've, we've grown up, we, we've heard all kinds of things about shepherds being a good thing. It's embedded into our understanding of Jesus and the Christian life. John 10.14 says this, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own, and they know me. In Matthew 9, 36, the Bible says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The shepherd motif is constant through the New Testament, and it's not that hard to find in the Old. And that might lead us to believe in in our minds, having been trained by things like beautiful nativity sets. You know, I went out hunting for a nativity set. That's the consequence of it, this beautiful little thing. And I went looking, and I was looking and looking and looking, and I found $1,000 nativity sets. I got really excited. Then I called the chairman of the trustees, and she shot me down. (laughs) Where'd she go? That's not exactly how it happened, but that's not exactly what happened, but it sounds better that way. And, uh, but she did, she did kind of shoot me down, rein me in a little bit anyway. And, uh, and uh, you know, in some of these nativity sets, the shepherds, oh, the shepherds, they're porcelain. They're jeweled. They're beautiful. I found one that was like, uh, what, I don't know, Tiffany or something. I'm like, oh, that's, that cost, we could build a new building for that thing. Like, that's, that's incredible. And, uh, you know, we're kind, of, we're kind of trained to think in that way about shepherds. But this passage of Scripture doesn't have full meaning. The angel appearing to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus unless you give it some historic context. And shepherds in those days weren't looked upon kindly. In those days, no one would have thought an angel would appear to shepherds in a field. And what did that field look like? Have you ever been in a sheep pasture? It doesn't look like a porcelain Tiffany statue. In those days, shepherds would seldom be found praising and worshiping God. As a result, they were looked upon as anything but worshipers. Their reputation was lowly at best. And religious people snubbed and ignored them. They were despised because they were unable to attend services and keep the ceremonial laws of washing and cleansing. Their flocks just kept them too busy What a beautiful foretaste of the salvation to come. This author writes, God gave the first message of his son to common shepherds, those looked upon as sinners. The angel came to men who were dirty, rough around the edges, did not attend worship services regularly, and were looked down upon by the religious establishment, the good people. When that baby in a manger would row to begin his earthly ministry, God the Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, he'd then go pick a bunch of dirty fishermen who smelled like fish, I hate the smell of fish, to be his disciples, to win the world. In reality, it looked nothing like a proper nativity set. It was dirty and it was rough. 
That's because Jesus came to people just like me and you. God always comes to the unlikely in unlikely ways at unexpected times. The light of Christ seems always to find its way into the darkest crevices of our life. There's something about me that I, I can never understand. I, I'm always attracted to dark places. Always. You know, I, I've grown to love being with the poorest of the poor. When I was still on active duty in the military I, and I got involved preaching in rescue shelters, I used to go around sometimes and I knew where the homeless people lived when we lived in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I'd go down by the riverbanks. And I'd minister to them, and I'd invite them to the shelter. And I uh, never quite understood this aspect of myself. When I was in Yuma, Arizona, doing the same thing, I'd go and I'd find them, the others. I'd invite them to the shelter. I'd say, hey, you know, if you come, I'll give you a ride. If you just listen to a sermon, they'll let you spend the night. That's a small price to pay, even if I'm preaching for two hours. And my wife would say, you're a fool, you, you're gonna, some, one of them's going to hurt you, you've got to stop it, you're not being safe at all. I'd always tell her, ah, oh, forget it, I'm a Marine, it'll take ten malnourished homeless guys to do something to me. <laughs> and she'd say, yeah, or one when you're not looking. And one night I was down by the river, and I was praying with a guy, I had gone for a run, and I, was, and I stopped, and I'm talking to this guy, and I started praying with him, and I was holding both of his hands, and I had my eyes closed, and I'm praying with him, and I'm trying to invite him to the shelter, and he prays and asks forgiveness for the murder he committed the night before. Just so you know, I opened my eyes after that. <laughs> so you know. If you ever see me praying with my eyes open, sometimes it's because maybe I'm a little nervous what's going on. And uh, my point is this. I, I'm always attracted to, the, to darker places. And I used to think maybe that's because I grew up with a little instability and around some rougher characters, maybe that's why I'm drawn back. I don't think so anymore. The light always invades the darkness, and God's leading will always look like the Shekinah glory wrapping up an angel, talking to lowly men, dirty shepherds in a field who are snubbed by the religious establishment. That tells us at least two things as followers of Jesus Christ. That means he came for us, no matter who we are, no matter how outcast we were, no matter how dark we were, no matter how sinful we are or were, He came for us. He came, what, did the, what does the Bible say? What did I read to those kids? He came to seek and save that which was lost. That's how I know Jesus' atoning death was sufficient for the whole world because we're all lost. It tells us at least one other thing. The minute that light permeates the darkness of our life, and brings us to new life, we've got to be likewise attracted to dark places. Willing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit wherever that light takes us. The other day I, was, uh, I tried to take a picture of it, but I couldn't get my camera at quite the right selfie angle. I didn't have a selfie stick with me, which I normally do, and I uh, didn't have it with me. And uh, the other night I had to go to Dollar Tree, which thank God is right around the corner from our house, because if it were not for Dollar Tree, we'd probably starve, and, and uh, I love Dollar Tree like it's nobody's business, and so I went to Dollar Tree, it was about, uh, oh, 10 minutes before they closed, so it must have been about 9.50, and uh, 
And uh, here's exactly what I had on. I had on a Detroit Pistons beanie, okay, blue with a logo. And uh, then I had on um, a big puffy coat, like a, one of those like, like nylon type coats. I had on a hoodie under that. Then I had on a pair of shorts like you'd play basketball in. <laughs> then there were my bare knees. And then there were, and I'm not playing, dress socks like you'd wear with a suit because I had a suit on that morning. All the way up, halfway up my thighs. And then there were untied brown leather work boots on my feet. I looked fabulous. And so, and so, and I just was running the Dollar Tree, you know, who cares? And uh, so whatever. And so I got in line behind these two ladies who were so well-dressed. They must have, I don't know where they just came from. And uh, they looked so fabulous. Even the, the cashier tells the one woman, you are just beautiful. And they're all make-up and everything. I felt kind of bad for the second lady, actually. I was... I wanted to tell her she was beautiful, but I didn't want to be the creepy guy, totally not dressed right. And so, so then anyway, they, they turned around, we started, we started having some conversation, and I said, well, you know, I, I, I didn't want to put on my best just to go to Dollar Tree. And this woman said to me, and I quote, well, at least you didn't waste a good outfit on a late night Dollar Tree run, she says. I thought this, this is one of the best things anybody said to me in a while. And, uh, and here's why I'm saying it to you now. One, because I just think it's a good story. And secondly, 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 think about this. This passage of Scripture is about angels showing up to announce the birth of the King of Kings. Okay? And they wasted a good outfit. Got all dressed up. Wrapped up in the Shekinah glory of God. The Bible says that you're not going to find the word Shekinah in the, anywhere in the Bible. That actually comes from the intertestamental period between the Old and New Testament periods. It was a phrase developed by the rabbis of that era uh, to describe the visible presence of God. When you somehow enter into a place where God's presence is so rich and saturated upon an individual an angel, a human being, the presence of God, the Ark of the Tabernacle, where, where, where you see the presence of God. Listen, here's the point. This is the paradox of Jesus. The good shepherd came to shepherds, lowly people in their society, in a manger to rescue us who were lost and dead in sin. The king of kings came humbly to rescue us from our humiliation. Luke 5, 31 and 32 says, They that are whole need not a physician, Jesus says, but they that are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The light of Jesus Christ shines in the darkness so that you and I can be born again of the light. And the consequence of that is that you and I ought also to be constantly growing in our willingness to share that light in well-lit and dark places. Let's be very careful this Christmas season about the holy huddle mentality. To the extent that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like there's a candle shining inside of us, and this place, if you could see it through the eyes of the Spirit, would just be beaming with light, like it will be on Christmas Eve. Just beaming with light, everyone holding their candle, the light of Christ shining, warming up the place. But let's not be guilty of only warming one another who already possess the light, but rather coming into this place to fan our flames 
to spur one another on to love and good works, and then going out into the world to spread that light. And then when it starts to burn down, you better get back. And let's love on one another some more. Listen, speaking of candles, I want to conclude this message with this. Today is Worldwide Candle Lighting Day. You could look it up if you want to know more about the history of it. For the sake of time, I'll not tell you all about it. Suffice it to say this, tonight at 7 p.m., and at the same time around the world, I don't know exactly how many, but I think, I think it's safe to say millions. A lot of people are participating in this. Candles will be lit. In remembrance for parents who have lost a child. You know, it's interesting that there is no word for this in the English language. You know, if your husband dies, they'll call you a widow. If your wife dies, they'll call you a widower. But if your child dies, we don't have a word. Maybe this is because in antiquity it was so common that it didn't seem necessary. I, I don't think that's it, though. I, I tend to think because the pain of that is so lasting and permanent that there was no word to describe it. And it seems fitting and appropriate to me today as I'm talking about the light of Christ and the Savior who came to simply highlight this one beautiful aspect of the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. We have a good shepherd. And for anyone who loses a child for any reason, for the sake of time, again, I'll not expound on that, but for any reason, That child is welcomed into the arms of God. Scholars will argue as to the merit of that statement, and I would simply say this, we have a good shepherd who declared, let the children come unto me. Those who perish in childhood or who die in a state of incompetence, I mean that in the most academic sense of the word, having committed no volitional, willful, rebellious act of sin. We're all born with a sinful nature. But having made no volitional rebellion against God, I don't know how old someone has to be before that changes. There is no question, I think, biblically and in accordance with the character of God, that Jesus receives them just as they are. Because of his immeasurable grace, we have a good shepherd. Many of us watched last week as former President uh, George Bush had passed away. And regardless of your politics, I, I think it was a beautiful expression that he and his wife had spent all of those years, whenever asked about the death of themselves or each other, they would say, we're looking forward to going home to be with her, their little daughter who had died at age three. <clears throat> I want to light this candle because I know for certain that some of you have lost children in infancy, early childhood. They could have been 60 and they were still your baby, weren't they? And I want to sort of 
hijacked this day too. And uh, you know, I'm going to light that. I'm trying to find a way to say it. I want to light that for Bill too. And for Elsie. Man, I, I didn't know him long. And when my kids heard it was him up in the hospital I'd been going to see, they said, oh, you mean the old guy in the Air Force jacket? We like him, they said. I said, well, I hope you like everybody at that church. They said, well, we really like him. Listen, whatever you're mourning this Christmas season, whatever burden you're bearing, this is the place to bring it. It's a sad commentary on the state of the church today that some people don't think they can bring their lament into this place. Always got to put on some kind of smile. There's joy in the Lord. And no small part of that is because we are called to bear one another's burdens. So I know some of you might be going tonight. I know of at least one person who is going tonight to light candles as a part of this worldwide candle lighting day. But we're going to light this one and then conclude our service and I also want to remind you about December 21st, the Blue Christmas Service. Come and let's let's share. Let's let's let's. Jesus said something about "Come unto me, all you who are uh, who who have burdens and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." The primary way He does that, I'm convinced, is through us sharing one another's burdens, grieving with those who grieve, mourning with those who mourn. Amen.